The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Back again, Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Friday, July 17th, 2020. Unbelievable, the month of July is flying by. And as it flies, but flies by, the guests just continue to get better and better and better. Today, Paul, are joined by the one and only Jeremy Hyde, Director of Customer Service at Sun Country Airlines, which we're going to introduce in just a second, but today's going to be a bang-up episode. Paul, you're out there. I am out here, and, and I'm stoked if I can pinch that, that phrase from the US or Australia to have Jeremy on. And the timing is impeccable because right now I'm due to fly out to the UK from Manila next Tuesday, so... Um, yeah, this timing of, of having Jeremy on is absolutely fantastic. I, I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. Super. Uh, Jeremy Hyde, let the audience hear your voice. Hey, how you doing, Neil? Hello, Paul. Jeremy Hyde, Director of Customer Service at Sun Country Airlines. Uh, if you are not a follower, if you're not following him on Twitter, if you're not connected to him on LinkedIn, check him out because he's sharing a lot of thoughts. He's dropping a lot of wisdom, some really great stuff. Definitely connect with him on Twitter because he's uh, he he drops a lot of knowledge, whether it's an ICMI chat and some other stuff. He's uh, he's one to follow. Uh, Jeremy, tell us a little bit quickly about uh, what you do at Sun Country Airlines, and as you do, don't forget to tell us the association that you're involved with. I want you uh, to give the audience a, a description of that because I will do it a disservice, but I think we can want to also highlight your involvement in that group. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm the director of customer service for Sun Country Airlines. So we're a smaller regional-based airline based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so I lead all of the kind of corporate customer service things. So we've got the call center, we've got, you know, um, formal complaints, and then we've got kind of real-time customer issues that we need to deal with. You know, maybe somebody's at risk of missing a connection. Um, But yeah, anything that has to do with kind of preparing for your trip, making reservation, questions you may have about flying, things that may be happening real time if there's a delay or, again, you have some sort of an uh, issue. And then after the fact, if something didn't go quite right and you want to pass on some feedback, my team kind of deals with all of those various things um, for the airline. So it's a blast. Of course, this is a heck of a time to be in the airline industry. I chose a real nice time to, to switch industries from healthcare. Um, but then, as you said, also, uh, I am part of the Midwest Contact Center Association. I sit on the board of directors for MWCCA. Um, we're, we're, we have two chapters, one based out of Minneapolis and one based out of Chicago. And it's a nonprofit. It's led by uh, leaders within the contact center space for contact center leaders pre-COVID, um, we really were all about kind of getting people together to meet their peers, to network with peers in the area, to build out that network. I'm sure both of you have probably experienced this. One of the things that has been uh, most useful in my career has been my network. The the people of experts, the, the smart people around me, that when I don't know what to do, I don't have an answer, I've got a whole bunch of smart people that I can turn to. And that's really what MWCCA is about. It's about bringing in amazing speakers. It's about bringing community together, education, collaboration, things of that nature. So really proud to be a part of the organization. And, um, you know, it's cool to learn from people. And then it's also cool to give back and kind of teach those nuggets that you've picked up along the way as well. What is it that they have in the water in Minnesota? Because as you mentioned it, I hadn't thought about this before. There's a bunch of people that I know, I think top of mind that are that live in Minnesota 
or that are from Minnesota that are really active in our call center customer care and BPO industry. Let me think off the top of my head. Jeremy Hyde, Becky Roman, uh-huh. Corey Kolars, Wade Hauser. Wade Hauser, if you're out there listening, man, you're going to be on the show at some point. Uh, sorry, let's get a shout out to my friend Wade. Who, who else? Just give us a Sean, like, other Sean Hawkins is in the Minneapolis area. Sean Hawkins. Oh, my God. Of course he's in the Minneapolis area. Sean, you're coming up also. Just a question of time. Who else? <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's a ton of there's a ton of people here. There's a lot of contact centers here. You know, I think I for a lot of years kind of took that for granted and didn't realize that, you know, you go you go into the LA area, northern California, you're probably not going to run across a bunch of call centers. But here in Minnesota, this Minneapolis area, we've got a ton of them. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so something you guys got in the water or that or the Viking culture breeds <laughs> attention and friendliness and politeness and empathy and active listening, all the things that we need in our world. Who would have thought that the the Vikings would have those things? But anyway, (laughs) just just aside. So let's get into the conversation a bit here. Um, We're going to talk about um, and focus today, airline customer service. So many of us travel for work or love to travel uh, in our our first and I'm sure that one of the things that many of us are looking forward to post-COVID is being able to get back on a plane and traveling, going out mm-hmm. somewhere for fun. Um, my perception is that that airline customer service is polarized. There are the airlines that are kind of traditionally known as like you know the top performers, maybe uh, Alaska, Southwest, uh, Delta, JetBlue. I think is up there, and then there's mm-hmm. the ones that have the terrible reputations and. And, uh, but it's polarized and you'll get as many different opinions as the people you will ask, but kind of like help us pull back the curtain a little bit. Like what is it that behind the scenes that goes on in the airline industry in customer service? Like help, help us break it down for those of us that are really just clueless that really, sure. We board the air, the airplanes. We, we pray we get from one place to another. Uh, but what's, what's the journey like and how are you guys influencing it? from behind the curtain. Sure. Well, you know, I guess one thing that I would start with that I think might be helpful for consumers to understand, as you mentioned, you kind of, you can rattle off different companies and there's maybe different perceptions or reputations about the experience they deliver, the service that they provide, that sort of thing. But I think one thing that's perhaps unique, I think oftentimes when people think about the airline industry, they think about every airline as being kind of the same and being in the same competitive space. Well, you fly me from point A to point B. But th- there are different types of products that are being offered within the space. So like, for example, if you try and compare a Delta to a Spirit, they're not trying to be the same company. They're, they're not trying to offer the same, uh, the same product. Spirit is trying to be out there. You know, they're one of the low, low cost carriers. They're trying to have a low cost pro- product, no frills, right? It's an ad hoc kind of a la carte type of a product. That's very different than what a business traveler is looking for. So if you're a leisure traveler paying for a trip with your own money, you're trying to take a family vacation and you want to do it as cheaply as possible. Do you want to spend all of your money on your airplane tickets or do you want to spend it on the memories when you get down to Arizona or to Florida or Mexico? And so that's just one of the things I think that, again, fairly or unfairly, we often look at them as the same, but it's really not the same product. It's like comparing like Hilton to Motel 6. If you think a hotel is a hotel and you're used to staying at the hotel at the uh, Hilton, you're going to be really, you know, not impressed when you get to your Motel 6. But if you understand 
what you're paying for. You're paying for low cost, get me there. I'm trying to save some money because I've got a family of four traveling. You might start to look at the experience a bit differently. I like it. Is it possible to provide a low cost service yet offer a best in class customer experience? Or are those two things just so diametrically opposed, forget about it? Well, I, I think it may be depending on how you define best in class. So I think what we can certainly do is a low cost carrier, a low cost product can still deliver good communication, timeliness, you know, all of those things that like whatever you define as the most important parts of travel. If you're looking for a meal, if you want first class, if you want bigger seats, if you want headphones and in-seat entertainment, like that is a different class and there's more cost that comes along with that. You know, again, airline industry to begin with is an extremely costly business to run, right? So you've got your airplane, you've got your fuel, you've got your pilots, your flight attendants, mechanics, then you've got a whole bunch of headquarters people. There's a bunch of people and really expensive uh, kind of planes and properties and such that go into running uh, an airline. So um, you start to add more things on top of that. And it certainly can be challenging to do that at a, a competitive price. But, but again, certainly, I mean, like there are certain tenants that any airline, as long as they're organized properly, have the right process and people and technology, they can give you a great experience. It's just as long as you don't, again, if you're flying Spirit, don't expect the Delta experience. And that's just something that, you know, I think you do have to understand. What are the customer experience metrics that the airline industry looks at? So Paul and I, in our businesses, Paul jump in here, certainly, we're looking at service levels. We're looking mm -hmm. at how many calls or chats were offered, how many we answered. We're looking at hold times. We're looking at average speed of answer. Then we may get into voice of customer metrics, you know, CSAT, NPS. Uh, maybe the, the really smart and advanced ones are looking at things like effort score. Do those things apply in the airline industry? Do you use them? Do you care about them? Is there anything unique that you guys do sure. that, that that maybe those of us that are not in the industry should, should consider using? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, b being kind of a call center guy, like I'm, I'm looking at and managing and measuring a lot of the same things that you just rattled off. I think that, you know, if you take it a little more broadly than customer service, things that would be unique that we're measuring, again, unique to the industry are like on-time performance. You know, did we take off on time? Did we arrive on time? You know, there's some very specific airline type measurements um, that that are being reviewed as well. But yeah, NPS certainly uh, we do, you know, post post contact uh, surveys to understand kind of um, the the experience satisfaction level, those sorts of things. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, how many calls are we answering? How long does it take us to, to answer that call? All, all the normal things really uh, I'm looking at and trying to manage. Paul, I'm thinking out loud here, you know, you and I who are managing teams, uh, mm -hmm. one of the important things that you and I have talked about so much is employee experience, agent experience, onboarding experience. I'm wondering what it's like in the airline industry. What is that like when Jeremy hires uh, someone to go work in his contact center? You know, we're talking about airlines, not, not necessarily the frontline customer care agent is responsible for flying that plane and making sure it stays up in the air. But it's a whole different experience. There's a lot of different factors that play into that customer experience. And therefore, I think 
what goes into the agent experience, the training is, is probably so much different. Would you agree thinking about it out, lo- out loud? Think about your customer care people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, Paul's business is, is mobile phone and, and wireless mm-hmm. and connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a vastly different journey or am I just overinflating this and is it really just the same damn thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, the last 15 years or so, for one reason or another, I've gravitated towards very complex industries. I spent, you know, 12 plus years in healthcare and and now I'm in the airline industry and it is very complicated. There's, there's a lot to know. I, I, I think to some extent, you know, customer service, depending, uh, regardless of the industry, your people need to know a lot of things, right? I, I always try and explain to people outside of the contact center and outside of customer service. When you're in this this department, when you're in this area, you have to know a little bit about everything that the company does. You never know what people are going to contact you about. And so when you work with somebody that's in accounting or they're in you know, some other operational area or marketing or whatever, they have that one little sliver that is really important. And they don't understand why all your people can't just understand it inside and out. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're one of a hundred things that I need to know. I need to know about everything that this company does. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, c- comparing for myself healthcare to airline, while what we need to learn and and teach folks is very different, the complexity certainly is there. And so when it comes to kind of onboarding and training and and the employee experience and such, I think that especially when you're in a complicated industry. You have to be really, really good when it comes to learning and development and how you manage your knowledge. And, you know, if you're not a good learning and development organization, people are going to struggle, right? You're going to onboard them. They're not going to be prepared. They're going to feel uncomfortable. They're going to fail. Whereas, you know, if you really kind of understand how to bring somebody through, how to bring them up, how to teach so that people are able to kind of learn the right environment, the access to information, then you're going to put them in a better position to, um, to, to be successful. We're going through actually right now a knowledge management process and the project manager that's helping to lead made this comment the other day. I was blown away by everything you guys need to know. It is unbelievable. And, and, you know, I just, I kind of smile every time somebody says something like that. Cause I'm like, yeah, no, I know. It is. There's a ton of stuff that we have to know, and we're expected to be on point with a customer every time. And so kudos to all of the customer service people out there, because a lot of people don't understand how hard it really is. Yes, you have to put on that smile and you have to be kind, but then there's all of this complicated nuts and bolts stuff that you have to be able to navigate. And, you know, that's that's where the rubber hits the road. So before we do the proverbial uh, uh, approaching to send everyone Put on your seatbelts, <laughs> buckle up, because we're getting ready to land. I want to ask Paul. Paul, does this make sense? Like, do you think it's really that complex? And I would say, like, Paul, in your world, man, you guys are just doing simple stuff. You're just selling mobile phone plans and getting people connected to the internet. Of course, I know that it's a little more complex than that. But do you think is Jeremy oversimplifying it, or he's not giving him and his team enough credit here because they're doing some complex things dealing with airline passengers? I think you know is a particularly cranky set, especially when <laughs> flights are delayed and flights are canceled. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is specific to, 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 to his airline or certainly to some of the ones that I travel, you know, all of a sudden you get on the, on, on the plane and you thought, what was your seat is not your seat anymore. Mm. It's pretty complex, right? Or, or is Jeremy just being overly modest here and making it sound easier than it really is? I think it's a mixture of both. I certainly think that Jeremy is making it sound a lot easier than it is. So what I really appreciate is 
that Jeremy talked out there was a shout out to all the customer service agents, the frontline guys, because I don't want to get into it with you. I don't want to get into it with you, Neil, but you're absolutely wrong in terms of saying that it's simple. The customer service role isn't simple. It's a lot of information for the agents, particularly the frontline agents, to uh, maintain and know exactly how they're going to help solve the customer's issue. Because you, you, you made a valid point. Nobody knows the type of the type of call or the type of email or whatever it be that that agent is going to get next. So, for example, from the telco industry, it could be a payment call and then followed by a service call, right? And the agent has to adapt. The agent has to be positive, has to be polite, and make sure ultimately at the end of that call that they resolve that customer's issue. And to retain that information, to not only give the customer the best experience, but to make sure that they're ticking all the internal and external KPIs, such as your QA form, such as your CSAT, your customer reference score, your MPS. You know, that, there's a lot to take on board there. And, you know, the fact that Jeremy is now looking at a knowledge-based tool, we are more or less going through the same process ourselves. So it's an interesting journey to go through, right? So I, I 100% agree with Jeremy, probably 1,000% agree with him <laughs> that the, the frontline agents certainly don't get enough present, uh, enough credit as they should. I do have one question for Jeremy, if that's all right, Neil. The airline industry is, is held up as a bit of a, I guess, a, a bearer of how to manage omni-channel, particularly from what I've seen, right? They seem to have got omni-channel customer care licked. So if I make a booking online, when I speak to a contact center agent or I send an email, they know all about my booking, they know when I'm when I'm going, and they also know my preferences. Is that is that true? Would you say that the airline industry in general has been able to get to a better place with the omnichannel customer experience? Or is it a fallacy and am I just or are I just being lucky that I've had some great experiences from the airline that I use? Sure. Yeah, I mean I think that that you're right, that a lot of the the big carriers have and you know, again, because I think we often get lumped and kind of com compared against everyone else, then it's like you, there are certain thresholds that kind of expectations that consumers have. They they expect everything that you just described. But you know, I, I think what what I've learned over time about that is you know, it's not it's not necessarily an industry specific thing that you know only the airline industry can really get it, really nail it, but what does it take to be able to nail something like that? And that's where you need your your technology group and you know some kind of infrastructure, some really, really smart people to help you in this. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the challenges you may have is like, first things first, in order to have a view of your customer, you have to know who that customer is. There's some sort of unique identifier and database within your organization that says, this is Jeremy Hyde. And fundamentally, if you don't have that, you cannot have a view of Jeremy Hyde holistically. And so if I contact you, via email or phone, or I make a booking or anything like that. If you don't have something that ties back and is a unique identifier to me, then you can't ever nail that. So regardless of the business you're in, mobile phone, retail, health insurance, et cetera, you need to know who your person is and you have to have a good way to kind of manage your data across the entire organization in order to nail something like that. Perfect, so as the landing gear of this podcast session today starts to come out and you can hear <laughs> wheels are popping out. We're going to start to wind down the session, but of course we're going to wind it down 
with the three sections that we'd love to conclude with. You're going to be on the spot, Jeremy. Tell us first and foremost the CX quote that you'd love to share with our listeners, the CX quote that's near and dear to your heart. So, you know, when uh, when Paul asked me about this, I struggled a little bit. I'm not I'm not a big quote guy. I think quotes are a little too clean and too uh, too uh, cliche for me sometimes. So I, I'm not usually a big quote guy, but I will say this. There is something um, that I read from Shep Hyken the other day that I really like. Um, and he said, the customer is not always right, but they are always the customer. Whenever they are wrong, let them be wrong with dignity and respect. And I'll tell you right now in the in the airline industry, while, while customers can be difficult on, on the airlines, right now, this is a tough business to be in. Nobody's happy, right? Nobody wants to fly. Everybody wants their money back. Um, they, they just don't understand uh, kind of through the, the pandemic. This is a tough time to be in the industry. With that said, this is one of the things that I've been trying to help my team think about is like, even if we're having tough con- conversations, let's try and be graceful. Let's try and, you know, empathize. Let's understand and acknowledge, even if we can't give them what they want, you know, let let them uh, let them be wrong with dignity and respect. Love it. Paul, this one sounds familiar, right? We've had a quote by Shep Hyken recently. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this this is a good one. Uh, shout out to, to, to Chef for, for that one, definitely. Thank you for that. All right, the second of three concluding elements. Bust a myth for us. Tell us what myth, what CX myth you're just going to literally take an ax to that you're going to throw the ax at, throw the hatchet at, punch it square in the nose, <laughs> give it give it hell. Bust a myth for us. You know, and because I just like can't ever follow instructions as they're laid out for me, rather than kind of busting a myth, I had more of a soapbox item that I wanted to talk about here. I don't know if I'm a realist or a cynic, maybe a little bit of both. But one thing that I just, I find a little troubling, and I, I've kind of seen this as like a trending thing. It's like the hip thing to do within the CX community is to kind of tear others down. Like rather than building up, it's like, let's find an experience that we don't like and let's call that company out and let's call out that that sort of an experience is terrible and unacceptable. And being an ops guy, I know all the dirty stuff that happens behind the scenes, how you're trying to pull these good customer experiences together, and it's not easy. And so whenever I see these things, I think about my operation. I'm like, ooh, while while I get that that wasn't a good experience, I can understand why that happened, right? Like, all this stuff is so complicated. So I guess that's that's where I think about, like, let's stop throwing stones in our glass houses, like what are some tactical things that we can do to help people improve their customer experience? And, and again, not the cliches, not the quotes, not just make it simple. It's so simple. Like what are the things that we can actually do to go out and improve our experience? And, and I just, I don't want us bringing others down. I, I want us raising others up. I love it. You know, it's so easy to be a keyboard tough guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I always say that don't throw stones in glass houses because any of our operations are just seconds away from committing an error, having a problem, having a breach, having a something, be very careful about the way you criticize because next thing you know, you one of us can be easily be under the spotlight and we don't want to get treated uh, badly the way we tr- we eventually have the ability to treat them. Just don't do it. Just keep it classy as some others, others That's say. Right. That's right. That's right. Perfect. All right. So we are seconds away from hitting the, uh, the runway and landing here. Run us through your CX heroes as we conclude. Well, brother, Neil, I had to call you out first, buddy. Um, you know, I hate to brown nose one of the hosts, but, uh, you know, as you said, like we've we've been kind of engaging for a number of years now. And 
Um, I just, I love what I see and hear from you. As the president of your organization, obviously you think big, but I see you in the details too. You just get it. Whether it's employee experience or customer experience or quality or operational excellence, like all of those things, you get it through and through. And so you're somebody that I look up to. I, I strive to be like you, man. Um, Thank you. Another Thank one you. of one of my my heroes is you know another buddy of ours I would say Nate Brown. Uh, I, I don't think you could know a nicer man out there. He's just he's a heck of a guy. He's smart as a whip and funny. You know if you're gonna find anybody wearing like a chicken outfit in his backyard doing a video on customer experience, that's Nate Brown, right? Um, so I consider Nate both a friend as well as an amazing colleague within the network and. Uh, Whenever I, I need something, even if it's just somebody to pick me up because I'm feeling down, I always know I can I can count on Nate Brown. So true. Nate, by the way, Paul, we do have Nate scheduled, right? Nate's gonna be on this, yeah. this, this podcast at some point. Come soon. Yeah, come we soon. do. Over the next couple of weeks, yeah. Stoked, man. Stoked. Who does I'll be listening to Nate that Brown. one? Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else on the list? Yeah, the the last person I had on the list, um, I, I don't know quite as well as as you and Nate, but uh, Matt Watkinson. I connected with Matt uh, recently on LinkedIn, and again, I just I appreciate his viewpoints on customer experience. You know, e even just the other day, he said, you know, I don't always kind of go with the grain on CX. I don't always go with the kind of quote unquote uh, tribal knowledge. But man, he says some really smart stuff. It's not cliche. It, it just makes sense. He he understands that like yes, customer experience matters, but like so does the business, and you have to figure out how to appropriately balance those two things. So if you're not connected with him, go out and, and connect with Matt Watkinson. That's great. Those those of those of us, or I, I can I consider Paul and me to be doing this a bit, is going against the grain, swimming upstream just a little bit, but in a classy way, in a way that challenges the way people think, without offending and hurting people. Just be unique, <laughs> be different, be authentic, but like do things differently, right? That's right. I love it. Hey, there's one thing before we wrap up here. It just occurred to me. There's two Minnesota names I want to throw out there just since we talked about it. Uh, Vicky Cherney uh, from Land of Lakes is also in Minnesota, the Land of Lakes company, uh, which puts out a great, great uh, uh, food and consumer packaged goods company. And then Rena Deitzman. I'm not sure if I ever pronounced her name correctly, but she works for a company called uh, Aviante Staffing, I believe is how it's pronounced. She's also in Minnesota. Those are my, my, my other Minnesota folks. I will say this again, Minnesota is doing something right because uh, uh, you, a native son, you are an example of intelligence, of thought leadership, of pragmatism, and of just great CX things that you're accomplishing. It was a pleasure to have you on this, Jeremy Hyde. You got to come back on at some point. Thank you for being our guest. I think on behalf of me and Paul uh, and our audience, we love having you. We're going to wrap up Friday, July 17th, 2020, Fireside, Ch Fireside Chats Without the Fires, anything and everything, customer care, call center, customer experience, BPO related. Audience, follow us, subscribe, download the podcast, give a shout out and definitely follow Jeremy Hyde. Thank you for joining us. This has next been week. another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.